Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. Knowledge. We all think it should be free until it can make us a lot of money. But first off, Nick, how you doing? What are you drinking? Doing great. Drinking some uh, Shinerbach, a little Texas beer in the spirit of giving. I'm giving that Texas reference to you for free. Oh, thank you. I'm joining you with some bourbon, some Buffalo Trace. And Nick, how about you tell us about what we'll be talking about today? We're going to talk about why scientific articles cost money. Which is bullshit, if I might add. Just sorry, throwing that out there. Yeah, we're going to get our prejudices out of the way. We don't think they should. And there's a lot of people who think that same way. We're not talking about the research, right? The research, someone has to pay for that. That costs time, money, resources. A lot of the times, the government pays for it, gives them grants. There's private companies that do it too. And I would argue if you're a private company, that's something people should be willing to pay for. But if the government finances a research project, and then that researcher gets it published in a journal, that journal needs their cut and then they charge subscriptions or you can charge just by the paper. Certain subscriptions can range from a thousand to five thousand dollars per subscription per journal. Which are both very expensive. And then these companies, they do this thing called bundling. You can get this one journal you really want, like this high profile famous one, but you also have to pay for all of these other journals. And they say, look, you get all these at a great price. It's like, okay, but I really only want that one. But each of those journals also probably cost another three to five grand a year per institution. So suddenly trying to get one journal that maybe you'd need it for that field. And now you have to buy these other eight journals. So that's where all my tuition money went. Yeah. So these companies that do the publishing, they're left over from a time before the internet. There's a time when you can just publish something online, right? And then you needed publishers. They got the material, they did all the editing, the proofreading, and then they put it out in actual written journals because you couldn't email it or download a PDF. That's where they came from because they are publishers. They did publish stuff. So Nick, you're telling me we're using an old system in the 21st century? <gasps> surprise, surprise. Exactly. And we don't know exactly how much, but they think that these uh, publishers get 20 to 30% of the cost of the paper. These aren't the people who did the research. These aren't the institutions who paid for it. They're just getting money because it's on their journal or whatever. And we run into this all the time reading different articles. These articles can range from, you know, 15 to 50 bucks, probably even more to buy an article, scientific article. But here's the thing about that. You don't really know what's in it until you buy it. 50 bucks for some researcher may isn't a lot in their $50,000 project. But for us two random people who just kind of want to learn, I'm not going to pay $50 every time I read a scientific paper. I'm sorry. And yes, I can get it from my library. I have to make a thing. You know, I have a library card, but I still have to sign, go to the library, sign up through the, their web. And they're still charging my library way more money than it actually should cost to read these. So in a sense, we are all paying for all of this. We need taxpayer money to keep libraries open. And from a personal standpoint,
point, it seems ridiculous that at one, scientists, please get better at writing abstracts. Your abstracts aren't great at explaining what your paper's about. I'm sorry, they're too short or they're too generic. Two, knowledge should be free. You should be able to read a scientific paper and learn and have it be free. It just makes no sense to me to pay 50 bucks for an article that you may or may not need or be even useful. When you buy a book, they have a good description or you can like flip through the book some random pages. You can't do that with a scientific article. Like you said, knowledge should be free. Publishers are essentially the gatekeepers to knowledge. They are controlling what we see and what gets printed. And people say, well, what about the cost of, you know, vetting the accuracy of the research? That's typically done by volunteer peer reviewers. Even some of the admin costs, the journals, are done by uh, volunteers. From what I can tell, Nick, publishers are literally just the middleman. They're just making money off someone else's work. They are. That's exactly what they're doing. And this is... A day and age with the computers, I don't see why that's an issue. Now, Mike, you might say, oh, maybe the government should step in, right? I mean, after all, it is taxpayer money. Eh, I don't know. They did. <laughs> it's called the Research Works Act. Now, this was a bipartisan bill. This is something that the left and the right agreed on. That's rare. <laughs> Oh, yeah, wait till you get to the whole thing. The bill contained provisions to prohibit open access mandates for federally funded research and effectively revert the United States National Institute of Health Public Access Policy, which was a previous bill that required if the research was paid by taxpayers to be freely available online, it would get rid of that and severely restrict the sharing of scientific data. So you spend a lot of money to get this research, and then you don't want it to come out. Got it. Just makes complete sense. I just love the fact it's like, oh, this seems like something the government could intervene in. After all, it is taxpayer funded. I'm sure they're on the side of the citizen. Oh, no. Suddenly we can bipartisanly agree that these publishers need to remain in business. She took my money when I'm in need. Goddamn government fucking. Ugh. It, I, it aggravates me because Nick, I assume we'll talk about it in a bit. Sci-hub, but. Yeah, we'll get there. There, we're, I'm going to go through a little bit of the history of Ooh. sharing of scientific articles. Please do. Please do. So there's actually a name for this problem. It's called the cereals crisis. And it's that the price of scientific articles and journal subscriptions are growing faster than the price of inflation. Wait, what? As money becomes worth less, scientific articles become worth way more than the cost of that money. So there, the price, I mean, we've seen the price grow. Like It's ridiculous how much some people are willing to pay, but it's growing faster than the price of inflation. That hurts my brain right there. Because people are paying for it. So one of the problems is that price is there's an inelasticity, okay? Different research is worth more to different people. Sometimes people will pay hundreds of dollars for a paper. Other times they won't pay anything. So it's really hard to determine an average worth, right? Because each paper is different. And it may or may not be worth it to random people. That's true. You've got your audience and how fast you can implement it and how much it can change your field. I guess there's value to how much it can do. And, and similar to print media, as time goes on, there are less and less publisher companies. So those publisher companies can charge more and more because they're only in competition with a few other publishers. Monopolies. And now some people might say, well, all these people are in academia, right? They want this knowledge to be disseminated. I would hope so. And this is where, I don't know if you ever heard of Academic Spring. I have not. What is that? It was a movement that started in a math department that uh, a guy named Tom Gowrie started. He pushed for open access journals 
and saying, you know, if we want to get our knowledge out there, the better we can communicate with more people is if it's free. You know, this is in 2012, 2013. This is a time where we had internet, PDFs were becoming more and more common. Why do we need publishers? Part of the problem is, you know, some people see that way. Other people, they would rather have their paper in a higher class paper, right? Not an open access one that just anyone can publish in. No, this is like, it has to be like Nature or one of these other big journals have been around for a long time. It's all about prestige, Mike. It's not about helping people. It's about getting your paper and your name, your 15 minutes of scientific fame in one of these big papers. That seems to me what it comes down to is that you bring prestige to your university and your name by getting your work published in a higher quality paper. I agree with that, but I also want to play devil's advocate here because I can see this from the other side. If it's kind of hard to vet information, so if it's from a reputable source where it's being published, I imagine you want it to be published there. But from what I'm hearing is that doesn't fucking matter. It just matters if what where you get it published. But hopefully there are a few, a few scientists that just want to do it because it will reach a larger, larger audience. Yep, and I have some examples of people who... Uh... Or opinions against, and we'll read them in a minute. Before we get to that, I want to talk about another person in the uh, war, the battle to get free scientific articles out. Aaron Swartz. He's an American computer programmer and uh, internet activist. What he was doing is using a program to download a bunch of scientific articles off JSTOR to share with everybody for free. He violated the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act of 1986. He was facing a uh, trial and possibility of imprisonment. He went to, c to court for a little bit. Um, he was charged with breaking and entering with felony intent to disseminate wire fraud, computer fraud. And if he didn't take the deal, he was going to get at minimum seven years in prison. He ended up killing himself because he had all these people coming down on him. JSTOR said he didn't even disseminate, let's drop the charges, and they ended up releasing some of their older articles for free. But the U.S. government would not drop the charges, and they kept pursuing and pursuing, trying to put anything they could on this case and bury this guy. Nick, I didn't hear any quotations around kill himself, because it seems like there could be a possible foul play in there. Don't know the whole story, but it could be like a laser situation. Okay, so not saying I stumbled on a conspiracy, but the main guy who was leading the charge against this guy, I forget ex his name exactly, he was responsible for persecuting the guy who War Games was based off of, who stole, the, who hacked into like the nuclear, U.S. nuclear stuff, who also killed himself before the trial. That once with all that pressure, I can understand. But two, uh, I don't really believe in coincidences. So that's uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's us. He did also work for the CIA. It's uh, that sounds a little fishy there, Nick. The persecutor, not not the guy who killed himself. It does sound a little fishy, but I mean, I'd like to believe it. But like, is free knowledge really worth killing over? People kill over like 50 bucks, so I can uh, I can imagine a multi-million dollar industry such as scientific publishing would be worth removing a mole on the beautiful face of middle manning. Yeah, so I wanted to read th this guy's quote, Rob Weir, who talks about this. Uh, he's associate editor of a journal, um, writes for Inside Higher Ed. This is his quote. Many wonder why money accrues to those whose only creation is to aggregate the labor of others, especially when some form of taxpayer money underwrote many of the articles. That's a legitimate concern, but defending Swartz's method elevates vigilantism above the rules of law and reason. He concedes that JSTOR charges 
university libraries a king's ransom for its services. He also argues that even a modest journal is expensive to produce and that if you want anyone to read your journal, you'll give it to JSTOR or some other aggregator, unless, of course, you can drum up lots of free advertising. He concludes by saying that the information wants to be free adage fails to account for the hidden cost within the culture of free and proposes that there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. That, well, that is true. There is no such thing as a free lunch, but... Except for when that lunch was paid for by me, I gave it give it to you to wrap, and you sell it back to me for 20 bucks. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's like, that's definitely being screwed over there, Nick. Like I said, this is, a lot of these journals are taxpayer money. This is, we paid for it. I don't understand why it should at least be a more reasonable cost. And another thing that, I don't know if this is the time or the place, but I think all scientific articles should put on the bottom of who paid for that research, whether it be university, private company, government grant, whatever. And that way you can kind of get motive, but especially see, oh, we paid for that. Well, that should be free. Yeah, that's def- I definitely agree with that with a peek behind the curtains. That should definitely be a necessity to say, hey, this was funded by this university. This was funded by this organization. That is, I think, very important. Yeah. So as as time goes on, the information it becomes even less and less that we need these people, right? One of the big arguments is that, oh, well, they edit them and they do the grammar and stuff. We have AI that can do that, right? <laughs> right? Like how much does it cost to spell check these papers? A more advanced spell check. But at the end of the day, it's a scientific paper. They're what, three, four pages? Um, I think it depends on the topic. Most of the ones I read are about 15 to 20 ish. Okay, that's not a whole book, right? No, it's definitely, and it's what double, if not triple, the price of a normal book. Yeah, so even which the price of books is kind of out of hand, thirty bucks for like a, a hard cover, but that's usually like a what hundred to three hundred page book. Yes, that's fair. So a lot more information in a bibliography that's three hundred pages than scientific article that's fifteen. Seems like the cost per each is a little offhand because I imagine most of I imagine I don't know any evidence to back this up, but most scientific articles. Are aren't physically published they're just published online i'm not quite sure why the costs keep going up when what you need more server space it doesn't cost that much compared to physically publishing it so i i'm confused why the up cost keeps growing and this is the thing it's really hard to figure out how much it costs to publish now if you publish in an open access journal it's essentially free so it uh, that's not true it's anywhere between 50 bucks it's like 100 bucks to publish but in the cost of research that's nothing and any some people say it's anywhere from a thousand five hundred to three thousand dollars to get it published in a journal i think you have to pay to get it published in a journal for certain journals or you get to pay them to read it and if it's accepted they end up you get that back everything seems kind of different but there's really you can't get any information anywhere about how much it actually costs to do the publishing like what is the cost that these publishers incur nick i think we discovered another conspiracy theory (laughs) yeah i wanted to read uh another thing just kind of get some arguments from the other side this is from igor markov he went to michigan and stanford said finally for those people who can eyeball the price of a journal and claim that it's too high you cannot be serious perhaps you should first serve as an editor-in-chief of a serious journal figure out how budgets work and then make your claims or start a new journal and see if you can make it successful 
I, I disagree with that statement. Said, uh, yeah, uh, a good argument is that without scientific journals, we would not have good science and anyone could publish anything, but I think we should leave it up for people to decide. He says anyone could publish anything. I said, I think we should leave it up for people to decide what is good or, or bad science. As we know recently, Mike, I forget exactly what that study is called. That guy put 20 articles towards psychology and that got published in journals or seven of them got published talking about like how oh the fake scientific journal yeah the fake scientific journals about how like masculinity and dog par- or toxic masculinity at dog parks and stuff like that so most of those yeah there's definitely an agenda yeah most of those journals made it through this wall of science that we are supposed that that's the reason we're supposed to be grateful for for these people to protect us from those bad papers these were self professed bad papers and got through and to argue the point of igor or igor whatever his name is there's a difference between editing and peer review those are two very different things anyone not anyone can edit but a large more majority can edit than peer review a scientific paper yeah um another one jeff chua i think you have some very warped concepts of how the scientific world works science isn't some sort of super powerful magic that pops out of the brains of scientists and rains upon our head giving us technological advancements and fancy gadgets the world of science just like every other world is driven by government subsidies and economics everyone backing these scientific journals needs to be paid scientists aren't working for free everyone need to eat Again, we paid for that science to be done, okay? That's if, imagine you pay your movers, but then you can't see where they put everything unless you pay them more money. <laughs> I pay you to put everything in your truck, and I pay you to to give it back. It, it, it doesn't make sense for me. Something that I thought might be a solution is the universities take on the role of publishing, and that way you still have the clout, right? If you are a university who publishes good articles, and you can publish them relatively low cost, you can publish good articles, that bring, and you put your name on it, that brings attention to your university. That university is doing science, and that way it's promoted to hold up to certain ideals. You don't want to put out bad work because it'll cloud the name of your university. It also seems like you could give students more jobs of editing and peer reviewing seems like a win-win yeah and that way it's free you know like especially if it's and there are private companies who do their own research and that's fine like that i don't have a problem with paying for that i'm not going to because i'm not a huge university who's who someone else is paying for that bill if i want to see it i have to pay for it myself <laughs> first we need to get taxpayer funded research out to everybody it's ridiculous that it's not and at the bottom line it's already pretty fucked up, this whole system, right? Agreed. Schools can't fuck it up worse, can they? What, Nick? You're telling me a broken system that's run by the government is even more broken than it should be? No. So, I, I don't know. I would like to hear some good arguments for why we should pay for scientific articles, especially if they're taxpayer-funded. Why knowledge should cost money? I read a lot of a lot of different ones, and I maybe these guys are just bad at communicating or... We're not talking about exactly the same thing, but man, I just could not find an answer that I liked that could convince me otherwise. Now, I came in with a slanted perspective. For the longest time, I thought that this is bullshit that I have to pay for a scientific article that was paid for by my tax dollars, your tax dollars, all of our tax dollars, and then we have to pay again to figure out what they use that for. Yeah, talk about squeezing blood out of a stone. Yep. Another thing that these journals, they 
make it hard to publish so that they can be selective, and that's why that makes it more exclusive. Um, I don't know. That's part of the argument is that like it's a prestige thing. Like you that oh, if it's published there, like you know it's a good article. And I don't know, Mike, about you, but I don't really look at where they were published. Um, that really doesn't do anything for me. No, I I just follow the science. If I can see that their sample size was so much numbers or they were using such and such process to identify or they published their math, it doesn't matter where it came from. If the math is true, if the sample size is large, if, you know, they're actually using a scientific process to do their research, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Facts are facts. One of the only good arguments to have journals, not the cost of them, was that this guy's like, I'd go read this journal and then I'd find other articles that I was also interested in that I would never have looked for. And that's true. It doesn't explain the cost. But there's a uh, OSU is working on making like a essentially a Spotify for scientific articles like, oh, you're interested in this. Why don't you try this article? So it turns out just using the modern science we use every day with Spotify, YouTube, uh, social media. So basic algorithms. You can do the same exact thing as journals. So I, I don't know. Weird how by you can search by keywords and it can relate to other keywords. It seems like that's so hard to do. So that's pretty much all I had. Um, I, I guess we should mention Sci-Hub. Which I absolutely love. I It might seem like I might be a bit of a pirate for supporting her and her cause. But for those who don't know, Sci-Hub is a free website that runs off donations that you can type in the DOI, which is, for people who don't know, usually the scientific research number associated to that article, and it can show you for free. Um, I'm pretty sure there's been uh, lawsuits against her and stuff like that, but SciHub makes sense to me. Knowledge should be free, and I really like SciHub. Like, I mean, their slogan is to remove all barriers in the ways of science. How can you not get behind that? No, I, I I can't imagine people who are, but I also don't have the mindset that people need to pay for scientific articles. So I, I don't know. It's It seems like it shouldn't be such a decisive issue, right? To distribute knowledge to everybody. Yeah, especially when you're already have paid for it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I don't know what else we can say. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a depressing topic that knowledge costs money, but hopefully changes on the way as more websites and stuff come up and hopefully hopefully more people speak out and try to make knowledge free yeah and more teachers and researchers need to kind of do what uh, tom gowry did of making your research free and only publishing in open access places that people can get to it because you value spreading your knowledge more than getting more money for whatever research paper it's in back to your university you no know, you get kind of more prestige with these nicer resource research papers or research journals but at the end of the day it should be about helping people you know so it's up to researchers people in that field in universities to publish in open access forms or lower the barrier to people to get that knowledge maybe it is through your library but you know making it free for u.s citizens or i think it should be free for everyone you know especially though know, it's on the internet okay if you want it you can get it so <laughs> i don't think that's a huge issue 
<laughs> and I imagine a lot of libraries aren't playing for every single site that might be publishing and some articles might be site oriented in only one site. I mean, like you said, Nick, it costs thousands of dollars a year to do all these articles. Well, that's going to affect the public library and public education system. So if they're, you know, can't do all of them because they're in a small town or they're hurting financially, they're not going to pay for every single publisher site. It So if you're paying for publishing of scientific articles that are just literally scanning onto the internet it ruins the education system for millions and perhaps even tens of millions just think about how many times you've paid for that research right so your tax dollars go into doing the actual research your library pays to read that research your school pays to read that research you know we i've read scientific papers at my high school and then your university which gets government money also pays to read those papers I guess money makes the world go round, Nick. This just seems like money changing hands to from us multiple times for the same product to one or two people. <laughs> Again, Nick, seems like you uh, stumbled into a conspiracy theory. Well, when I commit suicide, I think this is the one that it'll be from. <laughs> also, I'm sure we're flagged. Oh. I'm sure we're getting flagged on this 100%. one. 100%. Definitely ruffling some uh, feathers. Well, Nick, I must say thank you for informing me about the in-depths of the tentacles that wrap around the our scientific and knowledge community. And I hopefully all our listeners learn something too. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.